Welcome to the GMS Magazine vidcast if you're watching this in YouTube, podcast if you're listening to this, uh, well, in, in, in well, everywhere pretty much because well, I think this is absolutely everywhere. This is the RPG interview room and I am not with Chris today because Chris has released today his Kickstarter, of which I will talk to you about in Twitter for a long, long time from now on until it's over because Chris is my friend and I love him and the Kickstarter looks absolutely fantastic. Uh, so I'm by myself and um, because it's the RPG interview room, I have somebody to interview that we've been trying to get this organized for, uh, for how long? Uh, three, four uh, weeks? Several weeks. Yeah. yeah, three, four weeks. Yeah, which comes to show what a kind of muppet I actually am, that I need more practice organizing more interviews because obviously 10 years of doing interviews ain't enough. So, Kaz, <laughs> welcome to the show. How are you doing, mate? <laughs> That makes me nervous that you've been doing this for 10 years. Yeah, but you know what? The fact that you didn't know that makes me nervous because that means that you haven't heard from me or about me, and that is my fault. I need to become more pop. I need to become popular again. You know, it's um, it's a funny thing because when I started the podcast, and this is, we're talking now 2011, um, when I did my first episodes, it was way, way easier to become popular and relevant within the podcast arena, both in board games and role-playing games. Because even though we thought there were a lot of us, there weren't really that many, mm -hmm. really. Uh, and when I had to stop in 2016 and 15, um, because I had another business that would not allow me for any time, I had a two and a half years break. When I came back, it was like, poof, everything had completely yeah. blown away. It was incredible. So now for people have so much to listen to that it's, it's very difficult to to reach them it's very hard i mean yeah. i still have an awful Absolutely. lot of downloads but uh not anywhere near as much as i used to i don't go any over a thousand downloads anymore um before it used to be considerably more anyway why am i telling you your life my life this, this is ridiculous uh welcome to the show um <laughs> well, thank you thanks for having us <laughs> okay uh you're here because you are going to produce um what from the start, looks as an absolutely beautiful piece of work. But Thank you. what is curious about this is that your Twitter account, that is how we've been communicating up until now, doesn't have anything to do with written role-playing games. I mean, you, you have Tom War Guardian miniatures, which is like... Right. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, we started, or I started the company out uh, making miniatures. That's how we started. So we've been doing that for now going on five years. And we've, uh, this has always been a dream of mine to write a book and uh, my own Dungeons and Dragons book and adventure and campaign and uh it was an appropriate time my wife's like yeah go make your dreams come true and i was like great do you know how much it costs and she's like no i was like don't ask <laughs> oh, because this is not a cheap adventure <laughs> by no means but uh it's it's it was one of my goal it was one of my dreams and my goals uh i put together or we put together a fantastic uh uh bunch of writers and graphic arts and uh, formatters and editors. And you can see by anybody that goes to the landing page and get the free first encounter and that's free. And all they have to do is 
uh, give us your email and they get the first fir the first encounter of the book for free, which is roughly, I think it's 35 pages. And that comes with uh, the campaign, the stack cards, the maps, tokens that you can upload to use for on uh, tabletop playing online. So anyways, so it was a dream. So we started this process or I started this process nearly a year and a half ago starting to look for different writers, interviewing different writers uh, for what I wanted in the book. And there's a lot of writers out there, but I've been playing Dungeons & Dragons since the early 80s. I'm going to date myself here now, but since the early 80s. So my concept, and my I think you can see them in our, our miniature collection, is very much I like the old style. I don't like the new genre of miniatures and the huge miniatures. I like the old, the old style. And that's what I tried to relay in the miniatures and not, not so much in the miniatures anymore. Cause this is, we're talking about the book, which the book does have miniatures of course, that you can get. But uh, the book was very, I mean, that was the number one thing I wanted to have the experience that if starting at a level one character, that somebody that really doesn't have any experience playing that they can, just jump in and get a feel of how the game works and how it functions. And in the first encounter, you get a lot of that because you get to do just basic communications with the party and interactions with the party and the DM. And I, one thing that we did nice about this particular book is we did something different. We did uh, voice act or actor voiceovers throughout the entire book. So there's certain passages as you play that there's a QR code. All you have to do is click the QR code and it plays the passage. And what's nice about that, it gives you, it, it, it uh, gives you, it sets the mood for the players. It gets the players an idea of what the characters or sound like, or if it's uh, an item, it gives a description of the item. And it's it, for me, it's really cool because we've got a, a lot of different, uh, uh, actor voiceover people that are professionals and they've done a fantastic job. And on top of that, well, I went one step further than that. And I also included campaign music. So we have our own composer who is, uh, he lives in England and he is, com he composes all our music for us. So you can set the mood with the music and then the actors set the mood with the characters. So as you're playing and as the the DM is running the game. He doesn't have to read a passage out of the book. He just hits a QR code, or if he's doing it online, he just hits a button and it plays. It plays the uh, recording. How did the idea come through? Because I looked at the uh, at the PDF that you sent me, which we're going to that in a minute, because it looks absolutely lovely. Uh, but I saw the QR codes and I thought, okay, this this is new. I I really haven't seen this. Uh, before. Yeah, How it's did the not idea something come that I've seen out there, no. but you know, I've I have used it. How it came about is I I do it when I DM for my for people that I play with. So okay. and I just do the, the 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 voice actors, the voices, and is it good? Probably not. <laughs> but it was a great idea compared to everything else out there. And there's, I mean, there's a lot of five E books out there. There's a lot of Dungeon Dragons books out there. Some are popular, some aren't. But I wanted to make mine unique. And one of the things I thought of is what's not out there is having voice actors do the, the parts of the characters or the description of the scene. So it gives the feel 
for the party so they can really dive into the campaign and get a feel for them playing their character in the game. That, I think it's absolutely it's absolutely inspired. Will people be able to do the same or something similar for sound effects and the music? Because that is something, personally, the voice, okay, it's a very good thing to have. Uh, for those people who don't, you know, don't want to interpret or they don't want to read aloud, just to have it there. It's a, uh, and it's a, it's a good break for the GM. You know, mm -hmm. while, while these people are talking and, you know, saying things, you can mm -hmm. be rearranging the minis or dice or whatever it is that you have to do. Um, but right. one of the things that I find, I like to play with sound effects, and it is very hard, you know, if you need a swarm of bees or wasps or something similar mm -hmm. to be able to find it. Uh, will you have something similar for the sound effects that could be appropriate for each scene? You know, we haven't done, to answer your question, we don't have any sound effects. Now. Okay. We don't have any sound effects. We're hoping um, shard tabletop uh online uh every anybody that pledges gets a free game online game through shard tabletop they can go and play the game and run it through them it doesn't cost anything it's just free uh, so no matter what the pledge level is they get it for free so for us we rely on the the online or the tabletop version to have those sound effects that they can load in if they need it now in the music uh, like there's a there's a uh, tavern the tavern's main freighter does have a music clip that will play the music for you and you can just keep rolling it so it plays it through the entire counter but like sea sea splashes because the encounter starts off and the party starts off on a ship mm -hmm. so the the sea sound effects there we don't have those unfortunately okay. we we just hope that the online version if you're playing online we'll bring it over if not then the dm will have to uh, improvise something exactly well that's why they are the dm they, they're bloody exactly <laughs> we're making we're making the dm's job a little bit easier so they don't have to read all the passages yeah no i, I think i really but, think that is that, that is absolutely inspired so what is the adventure all about i mean what what is the plot hook that, that you have for sure. this adventure well it's i'm not going to tell you everything no. but the basic the book it, when it's it's going to be roughly around 450 pages it's uh, called the curse of the super essentially uh the the uh, the clan where the the party has to get to is an abandoned underground city mine uh called shekel uh the dwarven clan dug too deep in the ground uncover the Numidian stone which essentially is a dark black stone that essentially um the king at the time which his name is king casmer centuries ago gives birth to an heir a male heir but that male heir is actually the Numidian stone who transposed himself into a human and then over time he overthrows his father the father agrees to the Numidian stone to lock the entire clan in the mines uh, and everybody that is part of the clan is cursed. So when they die, they, they transport back to the mines and are servants of the usurper. The usurper. Uh, now, not everybody stay in the mines. There are kinfolk out there that got away and through the generations uh, they've got away. The hook is the party is is escorting uh, Boromir 
to Port Havadar to try to find out how to solve the curse. And in their travels, I'm trying to not give too much away. In their travels, they have to protect a Vormir from a number of elements. If Vormir dies, he is the last of the lineage. If he dies without passing the curse on, the super gets out of the city, out of the mines, and then unleashes his darkness on the world. So the party is trying to figure out how to stop the curse, how to kill the usurper. So they start at, uh, on the ship. They go to Port Havadar, uh, which there's a whole bunch of low-level adventures and and number of shopping. I mean, it's a, it's a full it's a full city. I mean, it's I think the entire city is around eighty to ninety pages. I mean, we just wrote everything about the city in full detail and. I mean, there's 20, I think 28 different site locations for shops that people can go to and adventure in and campaigns. And there's a whole underground city where it's called Still Echo uh, Prison, which is a stretch goal Mm -hmm. uh, hopefully will hit. But it's a whole underground city that they can play in based upon being in a prison. The prison has an underground city. So it's pretty cool. Um, Then they go from... Port Havadar, then they go to my favorite part of the book, which is called Mornhaven, which is in the north. It is occupied by the vampires. Okay. Uh, in the north, the sun shines six months and is dark six months. But in our world, nobody's at war. There is a uh, kind of a... Uh, an un, underlying truce that nobody fights as long as the the other communities contribute to the vampires uh, once a year, they're prisoners, so the vampires can eat during light. So those are prisoners for food for the vampires, so they have to provide the food, and if they do, there's no war, and vampires are happy because they're the most powerful uh, faction out there and they live in the north and it's all gloom and glory i mean it's gloom and dull and it's a place nobody wants to go and it's a place i love because it's just dark and eerie and monsters and spirits and ghosts and all that fun stuff so it, it it's being written so when you say you have to go to mornhaven you get that oh i don't want to go there <laughs> but i love that i, I love that it, it sounds like you have an awful lot of lore uh, for the world because I was going to ask you in what world this is taking place because obviously it's not uh, it's, it's not the Forgotten Realms even though it's a five E product but right. it's not in the Forgotten Realms so I was going to ask you about the world you've given us an idea about the lore but my question that I, I have for you is considering how much uh, setting you have already written and obviously in your mind as well uh, why have you decided to release it inside an adventure instead of doing you know the core book with all the lore settings all the information and then the adventure separately right i the my thoughts are is people get kind of bored reading about lore there's nothing to play in lore there's not a campaign it's just tells you about the world So my thoughts are is let's do a campaign. Let's get an adventure out there. We will include the backstory. We'll include the history of the world per se, like you said, the the lore. And then my thoughts are just later on, we'll, we'll 
will release an addendum or something that will also incorporate everything in because our plans are not just to write one book. I mean, I already, we've signed on to write book and book two and three okay. with our author. So we've already had plans to write book and book two and three. Um, so this will be an ongoing campaign. Now, will it go from this campaign to another campaign or will we start, will we start a brand new campaign or will do, will we do a prequel leading up to where we're at currently? We haven't decided that yet. I have an idea what I want to do, but, uh, I don't want to share that yet. No, this, no. This Hey, I need an excuse to bring you back. So you tell me everything now. <laughs> what do I do with you? So, so no, that would be. So that's essentially why. I mean, there's going to be some lore in the book. There'll be detailed maps uh, of the uh, of Port Havadar, which is the main port city or capital, and then uh, Mornhaven, which is the vampire city. That there'll be a map there too. Which I wanted to. One of the things that in this book is I wanted to make sure people had enough to do in the city such as port Havadar, that they could adventure and they can go to different shops and intermingle with the different vast amounts of characters and then try to find out what they need to do next all they know is when they go on the ship is that they have to see a mage they find out that they have to see a mage in port Havadar, but they don't know how to find the mage and they don't know where he's at they have, they have that's one of the things they have to do um to solve the the mystery they have to collect uh three items they're they're three keys mm -hmm. and the three keys are uh they're going to be part of the stl collection that you can print it out and have a game prop that has the game that that has the keys so as you're playing you can hand the party all right well you found the first key there's the first key when they find the second key, it fits into the first key. When you find the third key, it fits in, on top of and uh, with all three, it makes the set. And that's what they need to, to, to find to get into the minds of Shekel. That Shigel, I'm sorry. So that's what they need to find to get in there. That sounds, so, sounds, I like the idea of the prop, you know, fitting together. So something physical to collect. Yeah. I think, I think that is I like props fun. too. And I mean, I'm very much about trying to maintain the people that i dm for to maintain them that they're in they're always engaged and they're wondering well what's next and when when the session ends and we're not done or we have completed that particular encounter i want them thinking oh that was really cool i want to know what i want to come back to see what's next what's on next? the on the plate exactly i love i love the sound of that tell me a little bit about the writers because obviously in the, the this encounter you are featured in it but we also have dylan olney and chris knowles how did you who are they how do you find them yeah dylan only i found through friends of mine actually uh, i interviewed uh, quite a few people and during the interview process i was trying to get a feel on how and what the writers were thinking or how they write i mean i knew how they wrote but i wanted to make sure they were on the same page as me like i said we're starting at a level one character nobody likes really running a level one character because it's boring However, I wanted to start the campaign where if somebody's never paid and just wants to step on, they they, already have, they can do that. And they're not starting at level five or level seven. They can start at level one and look, get their experience through. So I wanted to make sure talking with the different writers that 
they had the same philosophies that I did, and they were going to essentially write like the old style Dungeons and Dragons campaign. When you started a level one character, they, they very much guided and helped the character or the, the PC or the players through those initial levels until they got some experience under the belt. And I wanted to do the same thing. So Dylan, what came from a friend of mine, and he's lives one state away from me, about a two and a half hour drive. So he's pretty close. So we, we talked and I read some of his books that he's done. And that's how it came about. Chris Knowles, uh, he is our formatter. He is, oh my God, unbelievable. Uh, he does all the formatting and formatting of the books and puts all the pictures in the nice places. I mean, he does incredible. Yes. And Chris came to me from Dylan. And I, that's how Chris came to, came to me. And then we have one other writer, and that's that was Cameron. Cameron wrote uh, all the all the starting pre-generated characters. So in the book, uh, if you pledge uh, the uh, the super essential pledge level, mm -hmm. you get six pre-generated characters with full backstories. They're voiceover actored. Acted, uh, I'm sorry, their actor voiceover and uh, all their stat sheets. So they're already generated. And on top of that, there's six matching figures that go along with the character. So if you don't want to roll up your own character, you can pick one of them and you get a miniature that, that matches the character. That, I, I love the sound of that, I have to say. Um, and I, I'm really glad that with your experience doing minis, uh, this is something that can happen because it's, yeah. it's, it's really hard. Even though you know, platforms like Hero Forge do a great job of, of allowing you to create an okayly detailed minis that are very customizable, but it's very difficult to get something that's designed for something, something that really fits with the look and feel, with the whole, you know, I don't know what the word to use in Spanish, I would say the whole visual language mm -hmm. of, of the adventure, the whole cohesion. Uh, yeah, I'll, absolutely. I'll and then, you know, saying that, that's when I, the characters, I mean, I had Cameron write the starting. Me and him got together. I told him what I basically wanted, and he just wrote the story. Uh, he wrote the backstories for all of them. And they're, I don't know if you've read them yet, but they're, they're really cool. But uh, when they were done and then they were edited, I then gave those backstories directly to our sculptors. And we have, fantastic sculptors jason weeby bobby jackson chris christine uh van patent uh glenn harris are the the main oh and christopher lewis which you may have know those names because reaper also uses the same mm -hmm. sculptors and we were we're honored that we get to use the same sculptors and they agreed to to work with us and this is going back five years so anyways i gave them this the the backstories and then they created the miniature to back, match the backstory. So it wasn't the other way around. I created a miniature and then created the backstory. I did it that I did the backstory first. So the artist or the sculptors knew, okay, this is what I need to curtail the miniature towards. Uh, and that's the same way with the the miniatures and the as the miniatures in the book. And there's a lot of campaign monster miniatures that we introduce. Some are just generic and those are in the player handbooks but 
there's a lot of minute, a lot of monsters and such that we've created in the book that ha will have their own stack cards and their own miniatures that go along to play. I love that. I really, that is such a very, very cool detail. Absolutely love it. Um, you, you've mentioned that, that Dylan is doing the layout, which is, I have to say, absolutely gorgeous. I mean, no, uh, Chris is doing the layout. Chris is doing the layout. Oh, Dylan Chris is doing it. Sorry, Chris. Absolutely gorgeous. I mean, the fact that he's left separation between paragraphs mm -hmm. is something that people forget to do so, so often. And for people yep. like myself with, you know, dyslexia, separating the paragraphs is imperative. Otherwise, the whole page becomes so modern, so, so mm -hmm. modern. So that is absolutely brilliant. But also the artwork, that's stunning. Thank you. Who are your you. artists? Oh, boy. <laughs> we have, uh, wow, how many do I have? One, two, three. Uh, we have eight different artists that all specialize in something. Um, now, that could be outside uh, scenery. That could be inside rooms. That could be uh, just portraits mm -hmm. or just items. I have one, one artist just, just specializes in items. One specializes in portraits. And you, you can see some of those in the, the free download, which are just awesome. I mean, I am very fortunate. I, I, I say that I, I, I hit a, I, I found a pot of gold with these, with these individuals. And again, we started this a year and a half ago. So going through all the different graphic artists and artists that are out there and there's thousands and thousands of them and reviewing their artwork and having them send samples to us uh to review um and they're all over the world i mean i've got them uh i have four that are live in brazil one in belgium uh our map maker is lives in china uh we have one in england I've got one, two, three here in the states. So I mean, we've got them. They're they're all over the they're all over the world. That's brilliant. And they all specialize in something, and they all I mean, they've done a fantastic job. They, they then, do. They do. I, mean, I I am very, very lucky to have them, especially. And I know you you've reviewed the the Tiber's Bane Freighter, which is just a small sample of the book because. The, I have the the pictures and I would love to be able to share them of Port Havadar and all those pictures in there and the people in there and the, the portraits and stuff in there. Unfortunately, I can't, but it, they're just stunning. Just absolutely stunning. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm looking and I can stop looking at this. The, on page nine, I believe it is, uh, yes, there is, a, there is a picture of somebody who's about to harpoon some rainbow fish. Oh, yeah. That is just mesmerizing yeah it's... that brahm brahm did that he lives uh, i've been working brahm has been with our company for essentially essentially the the start so five almost five years now and it is about five years so he's been with us from the start and uh that portrait that you're talking about is the first mate skur is the the one on the on the side holding the spear trying to spear the rainbow rainbow snapper um but I just basically I told I gave him the description of what we needed. I gave him. He also did the the Brom did the 
the the cover, the Travers Bain Freighter, the mm -hmm. picture of the ship. He did that. Um, but anyways, I just told him like what my idea was, and he came up with a concept. We changed it a little bit, and he did the rest. And it nailed it. Nailed it. Yeah, I think that is it's just so so good, so so good. Absolutely, absolutely brilliant. Really love it. Okay. Um, there are some questions I need to ask you regarding all the um, NPCs and, and everything. Uh, one of the things that I am very, very keen on, and obviously you, you, you've seen me in, in Twitter, is about uh, inclusion and diversity. What steps have you taken to make sure that the NPCs that people are going to find and the situations that people are going to find do have some level of diversity? How, how have you gone about that? That's a good question. We have a lady, her name, uh, we have a lady that does nothing but does statistics. She knows if you're level one, she, she can run the statistics based upon the NPC that they may have to encounter. And she can run the statistics so a character is not overpowered or the party is not overpowered or it gets wiped out. Now, in the Traver's Bane, at the end, when you fight the boss at the end, there is that possibility, but there's uh, there's a passage, and I don't want to give anything away for the people that are going to play it, but there's a passage there if something happens. But it's made so no, we make we make it so it's difficult, not impossible. Because mm -hmm. nobody wants to play a game, or nobody wants to role play a game that wipes out the entire party. So we make it difficult, and we have role-played this, I don't know how many times, um, and she does all the she does all the numbers for us. And then, of course, we use the player handbook, and we modify the player handbook based upon the different monsters. Uh, and the first encounter, I think the first uh, encounter, I think they ha they'll meet some rats, and they meet the, the monster in the end. But that's really the only, well, actually, now there's another part, there's another encounter, too, but I don't want to give it but there's another encounter that they, they possibly have. But she makes she made sure prior to us playtesting it that all the numbers ran together and it wasn't overpowering. And sometimes we have to add to it, sometimes we take away. It just depends on what the character is or where they're at. Uh, that, that, I mean, I, I love that from the point of view of, of balance and playability, even though I am the kind of people who don't give a monkeys about balance um, because I'm going to run and direct the adventure depending on how, how much fun it is but i was going more in the direction of how how have you tackled the racial and gender uh, diversity oh. within the okay. game itself within the adventure i got you yeah so go starting in the beginning when i started doing miniatures and i wouldn't even be in this business if it wasn't for my wife i mean my my wife is the one that encouraged me she is not a gamer at all, like <laughs> zero. She'll play maybe Monopoly or oh. Life with the Kids. But yeah, I, I don't I hate Monopoly. But she'll play those kind of games. She won't role play and she won't sit down and do the board games, just the fun family games she'll, she'll play with. So going back five years ago, there's a big convention here in Columbus that is called Origins. You may have heard yep. of it. Uh, Origins, a huge convention. I've been going there for years. I, over the years, I created my own rule system and I did my own dungeon crawl. And then that last year I was there and we had a huge selling. I, I ran it three times a day for 
four days and we had a huge showing and my son came home who's now 16 came home and said told my wife and she's like mom you we had so many people and then my wife just turned to me and said well why don't you write your own rules why don't you if it's so popular why don't you write your own rules and i was like you know what that's a great idea and so i started and so I started writing it and I didn't realize how hard it is to write rules. Mm. And it is a monumental task to write rules. But as I was doing it, she said, well, do you have miniatures to match your rules? I was like, no, I just go out and buy whatever's out there. I buy from Reaper or WizKids or whomever's out there. I buy their miniatures. And she goes, well, why don't you create your own? And that's essentially how it started. And I was like, honey, do you know how that much that cost? And she goes, well, if it's a dream of yours, just go ahead and do it. And that was in July. I had my first Kickstarter for miniatures in December of that year. Uh, and I released dwarves because I love the dwarven faction. And we failed because <laughs> I set the pledge level at $25,000. It's one of those things you don't know until you don't, until you know. And I didn't know. I shouldn't have said it that high. I should have said it at a low, even though we raised in the Kickstarter nearly $20,000, we didn't hit it. So, we canceled it. I launched it on my own through the website. Most of those backers went to the website and bought the products and so never went. And since then, we've done eight other successful Kickstarters. But that's essentially how the miniature started. So in that process, and it goes back to what you asked me, uh, my wife, who owns a mental health facility here in town, made sure and always said hey you need to be gender friendly you need to have a female faction you need to have uh, maybe a gay and lesbian faction mm -hmm. you need to have dwarves you need to have the females that are playing these have the same stats or have nearly the same stats as the men because it's not fair and i totally agree with her the second faction release were vampires and it's an all-female faction of vampires who the males are the slaves to the female. Mm -hmm. So there's there so there's a queen and then everybody below her, which the important characters are females, and then the male the warriors are the males who are the enslaved to the queen and, and follow the queen. So we did that. Uh, then we did, I don't know if you saw the Amazon faction, which is another female faction, but in that faction I went a little bit diff or a little bit further with it. I made sure that every female had a different body size. Okay. Some are skinny, some are heavier. So because not, not every female in the world is five foot five, 110 pounds. It doesn't work that way. So we made sure. And on top of that, we also at that point uh, made sure and we tried to incorporate the, the gay and lesbian uh, faction with, with the characters. And you'll see that as you look at, the human characters and some of the other characters in our collection uh, to make sure we, we try to incorporate everybody. Mm -hmm. It's not one thing I found out playing Dungeons and Dragons over the years. It's not just men who play it. Mm -hmm. It's females play it, gay and lesbians play it. Everybody plays it. And we wanted to incorporate that into, into the game. Mm -hmm. So, and I've done the same thing with curse of the super, the six starting characters, the first two of the six are females. There are four stretch goals, and two of those stretch goals are females. So we wanted to make sure that we included pretty much everybody.
I like the sound of that. Okay, tell me about the the campaign itself. Um, firstly, I believe you mentioned it launches on September 13th. Correct. Uh, yeah, we launched on September 13th. It's for 30 days. Uh, we'll launch, uh, I believe it's set for 11 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, which I think it's that's seven hours ahead or behind, behind. you. Yeah. Uh, behind you. But uh, it's... 11 o'clock Eastern Standard Time on the 13th, we, we, we launched the campaign. Okay. You've gone for $50,000. Correct. That sounds quite high. How, how easy do you think it's going to be to hit that, that goal? Well, I mean, I like to say that it's not going to be hard at all. <laughs> I mean, uh, it's the number we set is the number that we need to cover our expenses for writing the book. Okay. That is expenses for writing the book, not included all the manufacturing costs that will come out of it. So we're fine. We'll be fine if we hit that 50,000 mark. Um, I don't see an issue. We have a lot of uh, people reviewing the book and the campaign, such as yourselves, that uh, hopefully will we'll we'll help. Fingers crossed, indeed, because I really would love to see this uh, actually happening more than once so mm -hmm. uh fingers crossed on that how much uh, are going to be the pledge levels uh the pledge levels i mean the there are what are they uh, let's see they start at 39 dollars. i don't know did, did you get the link i sent you yep uh uh they there's one two three four there's six different pledge levels uh so they're they're priced at the beginning, it's $39, and then it's just, you get a uh, one PDF version of the book. Mm -hmm. uh, but on top of that, you you also get the uh, Shard Tabletop free free game version, which is a $50 retail value. So in actuality, you're actually making $11 per se because you don't have to pay the $50 fee through, through Shard Tabletop. So that's the first one. You get the PDF version and the Shard Tabletop version of uh, then it goes to the $88 pledge level, which you get both the PDF version and the hard cop, hardback copy of the version mm -hmm. of the book, and then the uh, Shard Tabletop online game. Uh, you want me to go through each level? Uh, well, I'm, I'm just thinking more than because people are going to be able to, to take a look at yeah. those. I mean, there's another one for nearly 120, 152. So there, there is. There are enough pledges for people who want to spend however however more uh exactly. however that much they they actually want so that that's pretty good uh i, I like that how did you decide on these prices because i can i can imagine an awful lot of people saying 88 bucks sounds like a lot for an adventure but you're giving mm -hmm. them an awful lot how yeah they're getting i mean in the book it's just not a book that's one thing i try to when you preview the preview the campaign it, it's not just a book you're getting you're mm -hmm. getting more than just a book you're getting professional actor voiceover throughout the book you're getting campaign music which we're not charging for it's included in the book i mean yes i could have separated it out I think I made it look a little bit cheaper but it takes away what I wanted to do. And I'd rather let everybody have that enjoyment mm -hmm. than a few. So 
if there is somebody or people out there that's like, oh, I really can't afford the hundred dollar, but you know what? I can afford the PDF version. You're going to get the PDF version. You're going to get, a, you're going to get all that. You're going to get the, act, the, the actor voiceover. You're going to get the campaign music You're going to get the, the game online for free. So how I came about it or how we came about it is I knew the number of different items. And when you go through it, there's a lot when you get down to the bottom of what people can get. I knew what I wanted to provide. I knew that when we launched the game, I didn't want somebody to come out there and say, you know, I really wish you had this as an online game, or I really wish you had miniatures, or I really wish you had actor voiceover or can't or, or pre-generated characters or STL files. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's all in there. I mean, I don't I tried to cover every base so it would offer each individual something else and if somebody pledges the 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 say just the pdf file and they want to purchase the stl files to print on their own their own dungeon their own dungeon tiles they can do that they can add that on as as an add-on uh so everything's you can add anything on but i try and that's essentially we broke it down to each pledge level we knew what the corresponding fee was or what they cost. And that's how we came up with the price. I mean, we're not, I mean, it, by far, we're not <laughs> making gobs of money on this because the book, like I said, it's not, and that's what's another thing that's different. A lot of the books that come out are between two to 300 pages. This is a four, it's going to be between four to 500 pages when it's said and done on top of the game or on top of the maps and the stat cards. And that's the other thing we have, uh, individual stack cards that people can get. We have uh, the game maps that people can get, which are the vinyl game maps that if you're playing, you don't have to use dry eraser markers. Uh, <laughs> actual game maps of of the map uh, that you're playing on. That, that sounds really good. I mean, I'm, I'm taking a look at the pledge levels and I have to say, considering how much, you know, music, voice acting, so on and so forth that you're doing there, it's actually not not bad at all. Now, the one thing I'm not seeing an awful lot of is shipping. Um, yeah, that's how, the how one part. That? Uh, yeah, that's the well, when we started. That's the one banner that there's two banners not completed yet, and that is the fulfillment and the shipping. So, let's start with fulfillment first. Uh, fulfillment is projected we originally had a year from this december to start fulfilling in december of 23. however because of covid and the issues in china and with shipping all over the world uh and talking to different container companies we had to push it back another three to four months because of the delay of cargo ships and, and shipping containers uh and traversing essentially the world so fulfillment's gonna come out we're gonna fulfill in a number of places one will be in england uh for all our european clients and great britain clients and those will all be uh that uh that friendly so you'll pay the bat up front and so when the box comes to you there is no no cost that you're gonna have to pay so you're gonna pay it all up front same with here in the States, we'll fulfill here in the States. We don't have a bad tax. We pay sales tax here, but that's the same way here in the States. We will fulfill here in the States and mail here in the States. That, that is very good because, I mean, I'm taking a look at the, the, the amount of information that you're having here. 
And you do mention for the EU, um, you mentioned the, the yeah. The, the that, unfortunately, that I put that in there. Uh, there is a brief breakdown. That isn't that isn't the 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 actual. That's not the the, 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 the spreadsheet. The spreadsheet's much much larger. Uh, Chris just hasn't finished it yet. So, <laughs> but it is uh, uh, EU friendly. It'll be EU. Okay, no, I mean that is very good because one of the um, for my for me one of the issues that I have is that whenever I back a project, especially one that I may want to back for a hundred, a hundred and fifty dollars, and then you know there's another thirty dollars on top of that, is that we yep. get charged a twenty one percent on the cost of the project plus the shipping, so right. I end up paying twenty one percent on maybe two hundred dollars uh, because. 150 yeah. was the product, 50 is the, the thing. So I end up paying another $50 on top of that nearly, which is a bit. Yeah. yeah. So I have to be very careful what I back nowadays because otherwise it just hurts. And that's from the miniature side, from our miniatures, that's, that's one of the big issues I have on the miniature side because we are not the size of WizKids or no. Reaper. We don't sell millions of miniatures. <laughs> yeah. So when we do sell, our miniatures to our European uh, clients, unfortunately, they have to pay that bad tax. And uh, it's not fair, but there's no way around it. There's no, just no way around No, there used to be ways around them. And, and that's why now there are no more ways around it. You know, people were using no, they it. They want and... their money. Well, and you pay, and the other thing is you pay the VAT on the shipping too. You don't yeah. just pay it on the product. You add the shipping on top of it. Correct. Which... I don't feel that's fair because you're nobody or you and I aren't making the money on shipping UPS or whomever is. And yet there, there, there we go. But I mean, it goes even further because books in Spain are taxed at a 4%. Yeah. But if they come from abroad, they are taxed at the 21%. Right. Which is a bit, why, why am I paying, you know, 16% more than I have to for this for goodness sake. And yeah, yeah, and it, that's you know that's not the first time I heard that. I've heard that a lot. Yeah, it's and, uh, uh, so in this particular campaign, that's why we have a fulfillment house in Great Britain that will do all the fulfilling for uh, European uh, clients and also uh, Great Britain clients. That's and that also includes Norway, Sweden, uh, the and Finland. Anywhere in the continent, that's anywhere. Yeah, exactly. that's very very good. How long is the campaign for? Thirty days. 30 days. It okay. ends on the, the 13th of October. And Good. then we'll do, we'll do, we'll take a break for probably two, three weeks and get ready for the, on the back end, get the back end ready. And then that'll run uh, probably for another 60 days after that. Okay. And I then need... we will accept late pledges. Okay. I am going to make a um, kind of a bet. And I am going to say that you're going to unlock at least all the way to the gnome sorcerer. I got to look at that. Which is 150k. 150k, gotcha. Yes. And I reckon you're going to get in the region of 1,700 backers. That's a good number. Yeah. I like that number. <laughs> I like that number for our first, you know, for our first book because this is like I say, like you're, like you know, it's our first adventure in, into this this side of the hobby world. I mean, yes, I own a company, 
it's a job, but it's really not a job. It's a, my hobby. I love it. Mm-hmm. I could do this a hundred percent of the time every day of the week. I, I can't because I mean, we, we're not that profitable, but, uh, and my wife has a business, so I have to help her, but I love this. This is, I love, if I could do this every day for the rest of my life, I think I would. I, I just love it. It's, it's fun. Well, let's, uh, let's hope that you make enough money that it will allow you to do that for the yeah. rest of your life. That so, would be yeah. And like you said, it, as long as we, like I said, we've signed on for book two and book three. Uh, so we just got to make sure book one succeeds and then mm-hmm. we go to book two and three. Um, and then we grow our audience from there because it's not going to happen overnight. I'm not going to get 10,000 pledges. I know I'm not, and I don't expect it, but I mean, 150, I like that number. That's a good number. Good. Well, let's, let's aim for that. Uh, yes. Thank you. Uh, seriously, very, very, very much, much indeed for, for coming today. Um, I'm very much looking forward to the success of the campaign. I think it's going to be absolutely, uh, amazing. And, uh, I look forward to seeing book two and book three as well. I appreciate you having us. And if you need anything, please reach out to us anytime. Thank you very much indeed. Take care. Thank you.